You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello, welcome to Season 10, Episode 28 of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm good, John, and this is the second of our women's football specials. We've got the manager, so the head coach of um, Glasgow Women FC, Craig Joyce. How are you, Craig? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good... introduction I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad, and um, you know, I know we're about to talk about um, your role, but we can't, we can't not have a podcast the, the morning, so the afternoon after Scotland ended 22 and a half years of. Um, Tournament famine. The men's side, I must add um, to that because women in recent years have managed to do it. Just sum up your emotions when um, you know David Marshall made that save from Alexander Mitrovic. To be honest with you, mate, I was at training um, oh. and we were just coming home, and I just got in, and um, my missus was in the bath. This is probably a side of the story you don't want to know. But <laughs> my missus was in the bath, and uh, I said to her, "I'll come talk to you in about five minutes," and I get in just before. And I looked and I'm like, oh, one nil, three minutes to go, here we go. And then I looked at my phone again and I thought, oh, you've got to be joking me. And it went one each, obviously. Um, and then through extra time, I kept scrolling through Twitter and refreshing the page. And then it came to penalties and I thought, if there's anything decent to come out of 2020, it's going to be a penalty shootout and we're going to win it. And I kept telling myself that. And then obviously Marshall saved the last one, mate, because I, I wasn't watching it live. Um and oh man, I just kind of stood. stood like, I don't, are you putting this out in a video or is it going to be audio? No, it's audio only. Audio. I just stood me with my hands in there like that in this room that I'm sitting in, <laughs> and my eyes shut just because I just told you off early. The last time was obviously um, '98 when I said this a million times, but I dubbed off school uh, 15 minutes early before the bell went and told my mum there was no time to talk when I got in when she questioned me. Uh, where I was going I ran up to my mates and I was actually in my mate's house sitting with a big bag of crisps and a can of juice before he was even out of school his mum was like where's Andrew and I was like I don't know there's no time to talk that was my thing just get the game on get the game on she's like does he start to half an hour I'm like what are you talking about and I was like get the game on so it's just excitement mate I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of international football um, obviously the, the women's teams gave me a wee bit of pride and joy for that in the last mm-hmm. while and yeah and work, working for the FA, I got to watch a lot of the games and, and left heartbroken quite a lot. Um, and I'm not jumping on the glory train saying I'm the biggest Scotland fan in the world, mate. I'm, I'm not. But to be honest with you, it's absolutely magnificent for everybody in this country, mate, that we're, we're going to a, a Euros and we get to, or we're going to a major tournament, we get to see them in the sticker books and all that again, mate. That's, that's <laughs> the real buzz, isn't it? Football geeks like us love that buzz. We, we know they're going to be in the sticker books and stuff, mate. So. Listen, it's it's excitement and it's nice to wake up in the morning and there's a bit of positivity in the world and nobody's talking about COVID, even though I've just mentioned it. It's like Voldemort in it, you don't mention the name. But nobody's talking about stuff like that. It's, it's, it's nice just to have a good day when you look on social media and you see the press and stuff and it's it's positives towards us and know that doom and gloom negativity that we normally get. So it's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, Jeff, after the year that we've all had, um, and I don't think there's anyone that's not had a difficult year, um, you know, to have that positivity of, um, you know, the, the nation being lifted, um, 
is is just fantastic, and you know, lots of people are obviously in on it. I mean, I've been going to Scotland games for a number of years, being a sports club member since two thousand three. And by the way, thanks for making me feel by saying you're in primary school um, in nineteen ninety eight. I'd left high school that that summer, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, mate. <laughs> it's all right, it's all good. Now. So um, yeah, it'll be an interesting six months leading up to finals. Um, no, because and I think businesses all blossom from there because they'll surely look at merchandise and say let's cash in on this and a lot of people will want to get hold of it oh, absolutely it's not going to be um, I don't know I've actually got goosebumps me talking about it I think it's just because I worked for the FFA for so long and it's not just obviously the team on the pitch that that gets a hard time if we don't get there it's everybody that, that works there and stuff as well and it's just great knowing that all of them are have a smile on their face and, and something to look forward to to be brutally honest with you it's, it's, I'm not often lost for words mate but I'm lost for words right now it's just <laughs> yeah. great <laughs> well we'll bring you into something that obviously should hopefully get you talking um, your your coaching your coaching career um, obviously you're now at Glasgow Women but at start what made you get into coaching in the first place and probably more specifically because I had to obviously look at the stuff in LinkedIn um, what made you go into women's football I started. I, I never wanted to coach. Um, to be honest with you, I was I was hell bent and that young kid's dream. I just always played football, and I'd went to America. I was in. I went to college, and and one of my lectures, Donna, she said this opportunity to go to America and and work for this company. And to be honest with you, I got to play a few games while I was over there. Um, just pick up games and stuff like that, and 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 then around the places I went and. Uh, Providence in Massachusetts and it was great and most of my coaching out there was with women and girls um, that was that was mostly the, the the group I was working with and uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of girls that, that I worked with that had actually played as well and sometimes excuse me sometimes when you're sitting there and you, you hear them talking over dinner about women's football at the time and they're talking back t- 10 years ago actually um, 10 years ago right now Um and we, they were talking about it, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's interesting because I'd known people that had played. Like I grew up with um, Jane Cameron, who plays with Queen's Park just now. She mm-hmm. was Jane Summer all the time. She used to play with us um, out in the field playing football and stuff, and fantastic player. And I never really knew much about it, to be honest. Um, and then I just, just came back from America, and uh, I'd been involved prior to going to America with the women's regional performance squads and the boys' regional performance squads or the girls' regional performance squads, sorry, mm-hmm. with Paul Brownlee, Tina uh, and Gary Hucknall was there with David McCardo. And um, I would do the boys and then after it, I would do the girls. And I, I looked at it and I thought, do you know something? This is this is something I might fancy. Um, and then when I came back from America, I got offered a job with the SFA and I would be overseeing um, the performance squads, not coaching them, just overseeing them like the... Mm-hmm. the admin side and, and the, the bookings and stuff like that and I would go and just kind of pick up cones and stuff and, and make sure the balls and that were pumped up but at the same time Pester and Paul Brownlee um, I'm sure he'll, he'll not mind me saying this but I used to pester him and ask about the girls game and part of my role was was looking after the leagues as well so I, I had a keen interest in it but I never at that point mate I never thought I would coach in it I just thought, I'll, I'll do this gig. I'll still do because I DJed as well. That's hence the, the decent headphones you're sitting as I mm. about to break into a rave. We probably should break <laughs> into a rave after last night, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> Bits and pieces. <laughs> and enjoy yourself, mate. Just enjoy it. Um, and 
and I, I just really um, stumbled upon Glasgow Uni. And it, the, the idea between, because that was the first place I obviously coached, I'd done work experience and stuff before, but proper coaching was Glasgow Uni. And it was um, Danny Bisland, who I was working with at the time, said to me, he knew, he knew I'd just finished playing football and came back from America and says, why don't you come down and train and keep yourself ticking over? And I was like, I all right. And I went down and I trained, I trained with the 19s because my mate Fitzy was in there, Paul Fitzpatrick. Uh, and I was watching them and seeing what they were doing. And I, I think then the penny was maybe dropping, like, maybe you should just take this coaching serious um, and no just go along with it. Because I'd done my, my levels one to three at the time um, in both pathways, the children's and the main pathway. And that gave me a wee bit of appetite. Even though the boy the boys at uni and they, they won't mind me saying this, they were they were under nineteen, so they were young. That was maybe their first time away from home. So sometimes on a Saturday morning you got them, they were still a wee bit bleary eyed. Uh for the night before or two nights before and that could be studying or that could be a combination of studying and having a good night out at campus. Mm. Um and I just said to Danny, Do you mind? And he was like, Not at all. And Fitz had said to him as well. And I went in and assisted Fitz and again it was mostly just Helping out with the warm ups and getting the cones and the Saturdays, like they were they were great. A Saturday out and and coaching and stuff, and it was it was fantastic. And uh, I think I kind of got stuck in a routine with that one, mate, and and stopped and went back to the the performance squads. Um, stopped the uni one night at Tory Glen. We played a game and I just said to Fitzy, I can't can't do this. And I was speaking to the boys and says, listen, I'm I'm just looking for a wee bit of time back just now. I'm at Monday Wednesday and. I'm trying to, I was going to a lot of games myself and had a season ticket at the time as well. And it was a chance meeting with, with Tommy Little, to be honest with you, mate, that got me into women's football. Like I was I was actively there. I was was experienced the performance side of it and, and a Monday night, but there was nothing else, if you get me. It was just mm-hmm. a Monday night and helping out bits and bobs and, and setting up stuff and pulling it apart and making sure everything was right in the admin side of it. And then... Um, during the day, here's another one. I was actively working with Brian McLaughlin and later James Grady in the School of Football, um, coaching. So I was in there every day, uh, and it was amazing just to be on the pitch every day as well as doing the admin side of it. But then when the opportunity came up to go to City, um, I knew of City. Do you know that way? I knew of them. I'd, I'd heard a lot of talk about them, and and knew a, a lot of a lot of the players. And when I got asked to go into under thirteens, I, I thought. Well, what, what have I got to lose? What, what is there to lose? Um, and I've never really looked back since then, mate, to be really honest with you. I've been in uh, girls and women's football for about 2011-12, so it's been yeah. what, some journey. Yeah, it definitely has. As you say, um, I see that you were at Glasgow Uni, you were at Glasgow City Ladies, then then Rangers, coaching from a range of under-13, under-19s, um, before you got um, the, the head... Um, the head coach role of the development squad at Glasgow City in 2016. Um, but talk about, um, so how did that opportunity come about going to Glasgow City in 2016? I think I'd, I'd been at, I'd obviously left City uh, in a bit of a high, just in terms of what we'd done the season before, with it, and we're talking 13th football, I'm seeing a bit of a high, which is a bit of a contradiction, but mm-hmm. the girls were fantastic my whole time there, um, and the same group actually came all the way through, and I'm still coaching some of them to this day, but I think that they've been great and they progressed 
to national level, regional performance level. Um, they'd won the four trophies that were on offer that season and the, some of them were getting moved up. And I thought, well, now's probably the time to go because I, I never got offered the chance to move up with them. Um, and I'd already made the decision in the June that I was going to go. Um, so it was, it was a nice ending to that. And then I just had a break. I had a... I maybe said I was taking a year out of football and I think I'd maybe just fell short and had about 11 months and I'd bumped into Kevin Murphy um, and Peter Kennedy because I know Peter quite well for Rangers and we were talking mm. and and Kevin Murphy came down to meet me again I was at regional squads I always seem to go back into the regional squads when, when I was having a break which was a bit unfair in them mate but um, I'd made the decision that I was going to go to Rangers and, and possibly work with their 20s their development squad and then the way it worked out, I, I couldn't manage it just because of the, the Sundays and stuff like that. So um, I spoke to my partner, who I speak to quite a lot about stuff. She doesn't know anything about football, but mm-hmm. I think it's, it's key to have that relationship, mate. Um, yeah. And said to her, and she says, what are you thinking? I says, well, I'm going to go to Rangers. What age group they put me at, I don't care. I'm going to go to Rangers. It's a team of support. I've always wanted to work there. I fell short a couple of years ago getting a chance to do that because Rangers went in administration. Um, and I just really wanted to do it, so I was working with the fourteens, who were a, a great bunch of great bunch of kids. But they were playing the boys league, um, mm-hmm. and it never worked to me. It never worked at Rangers. Four months later, I was I was out the door, um, and I'd made the decision with Kevin. And I was brutally honest with him, saying it's not working. Um, I'm, I'm going to take some time out again and, and think about it. Um, and again, that key figure popped up, didn't it? Tommy Little um, had spoke to to Amy um, and said that I, I wasn't happy and I wasn't doing anything. Um, to me and Amy were really close and, and she came and met me for a coffee and said, right, well, why don't you come in and take the 17s? We're doing a revamp. And I said, right, fine, that's that's cool. I'll, I'll jump at that. And the deal was to go in as the assistant coach, but Ian, who's my assistant now, was meant to be the head coach, but we kind of, kind of flipped it. Um, and he says, why don't you... You head it up and and I'll take the back seat because he just came for the boys uh, side of pro youth, and then for there it led into the development side of me, and it was it was um it was a great opportunity to be honest because I think as a young coach I wanted to be there, but mm-hmm. I hadn't had the experience to get there, mm-hmm. and by the time I actually got there I felt comfortable with myself and confident and had the experience and had a great person working with me and. And Ian, who ended up being the head of youth at, at one point, um, and to be honest with you, it was great getting to that level, mate. And that, that's how it came about. It was a, it wasn't just a simple I've left and came back. It was I had to go into seventeens to work back up to it again, because mm-hmm. um, we we came in. Amy was the coach of the, the development, um, and they had a good side. And then they kind of disbanded, and we we had to kind of start from scratch. To be honest with you, so we were building again. Um, and it was always a building job. Everybody thinks because it was Glasgow City, everything was was in place, and you got everything you wanted. But you still had to work hard behind the scenes to to get what you were after and the players in that you wanted, and and even helping the players that were in there. So that's how that one kind of came about, mate. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. You know, the reason why Glasgow City are so successful, it's because they work hard um, to be successful and there's obviously more challenges coming their way this season um, with Celtic and Rangers have gone more full time, Hibs have got a decent squad um, but they still look as though they're going to be um, the pace setters and um, what was it like for you in terms of because um, you were uh, 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 
I, I would imagine you'd have had to work closely with Scott Booth, the, the head coach as well. You know, what was it like um, liaising with him? Yeah, yeah. I think since we went back in at 17s, we, we worked closely with Scott, to be honest with you. And, and he's, um, he's very astute, very very direct and knows what he wants, to be honest with you. And I think it was about communication. You need to be open and honest with communication. And I'm like that with everything. And it was it was good to... 17's not so much... Like we worked close with him behind the scenes, but not so much on the pitch. Um, I worked more with Eddie when I was there in the, the first stint. Yeah. Not as an under-13s coach than I, I did with Scott at first. And then when went up to development, it was like, right... And there was a few opportunities for me to go to first team, but I, I kind of, I was enjoying what I was doing. I was enjoying leading and developing this group and, and never took them opportunities. Um, maybe I should have, maybe I should have, but I never. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was all right. It was it, it was learning. It was a learning process for me, to be brutally honest with you, and I picked up a lot of film. And I had the chance to work with first team players as well. Um, mm-hmm. He trusted us enough to, to get players back up to scratch when, when they weren't, like Murray Cunningham and, and Sam Kerr, when, when they were injured for long periods and Jordan McClintock, we worked with them to, to help get them back up to fitness for first team and, and get them games. Um, and Carson McGlinchey as well. And then when the World Cup came, um, I spoke to him and he says, right, I'm, there's players who aren't going to be away, obviously, so can you work closely with them and with your group? Because obviously Scott was away working at the World Cup as well. Yeah. And I says, I no problem with that. And it wasn't until I actually got the chance. I appreciated how hard they actually they work, even when it when it came to that, and how humble they are, and the respect that they've got for what you're doing as well, and asking questions and and help develop you as well, um, which was interesting. Like it's not every day you get to you go and put on a session. You're standing talking with Leanne Ross about what we're going to do and how it's going to pan out, and then after it's just a case of do you enjoy it, and she said, like, ah, I really enjoyed that, and. It gave her a bit to input in her coaching as well because Leanne's a very good coach as well and I think you can only learn from people like that. Um, and there was a host of them. It wasn't just Leanne. There was there was a few of them. And then by the time it came back, obviously they were on the, the charge for the title and, and for Champions League and and we were we were doing the same, to be honest with you. But I think during that time, we had maybe eight, nine players promoted to first team. Um, so it showed you that during that time, and, and young Carly Girasoli obviously played in the Champions League with the first team coming through us. So I think for me, that's job done. See, when you can get players to that level, for me, that was job done. Although we won the title two years in the bounce with development, it was it was job done. Once you see players starting to make, make a dent at that level. Yeah, that, that must be the thing that gives you immense pride because it's one thing... Um... No, seeing them through the development squad, but obviously, wait, I can only speak from um, watching men's football experience is that you see a class of players who do well at the under 17, under 19 level, but it's that step up to even under 21 level and senior level is a, is a bit different. So, when you get a class of players that then go on to break through the Glasgow City first team, how much pride are you taking that? Massive pride, and it's not just with the, the City first team, to be honest with you, John, it's through, throughout, like there's players that I've worked with who are at different clubs. Um, and I still drop them a wee text now and then or a wee message on, on Twitter saying hope you're well and um, keep doing what you're doing and again it's always looking out for them as the person do you know what I mean because you've, you've worked with them you've yeah. known them or you know them um, and even kids that have worked with the or girls and players that have worked with the performance centres you still drop them a wee line now and again and even coaches seeing them do well for themselves and it's, I just like seeing people doing well for themselves so you probably get more pride out of that 
I've always said I'm a developer, so you get more pride out of that than you do the trophies. But now that I'm involved actively and directly in the senior side of the game, I think the wins are, are just as important as that at times as well. Yeah, definitely. Or I'll, because I'll, I'll be out the door if I don't. So <laughs> you, need to, you need to keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, definitely. Aye, the more players that are doing well, the more your um, job comes to well. Um, you know, we touched a wee bit on what, you know, Glasgow City's dom- dominance. Um, you know, what in your eyes is the, the key thing that makes them so so dominant? I mean, I know they pride themselves on being like, um, different. That they, they're not associated with any men's clubs, um, like, like your Celtic, etc. But what, what, what in your eyes is the key reason why they've won 13 titles in a row? Togetherness. They've got a real togetherness and a real desire and hunger to win. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. There's a, it's when you watch it from outside and, and it's quite infectious when you're in amongst it and they do have this real, a real core of experience and a real togetherness about them. Yeah, it's a real bond. Um, and they've undoubtedly got a lot of quality in there as well. A lot of quality. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you watch it and you're like, whoa. Like sometimes you're even seeing it in training, you were like, Whoa. I stand and watching them train and you're like, Whoa, I they're maybe better than I thought they were. Um but there is a real togetherness and a, a real bit of experience and quality and and knowledge between them all and they've been there and they've done it and, and they know how to to slog it out and they need to slog it out at times as well, which they've shown over the seasons. Um but that that's that's what it is to me. Other people might tell you different, but that's what I see, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think most people who would um, who watch women's football from the outside looking in can probably see that. I think um, probably the, the last of the senior games before you left Glasgow City was the Scottish Cup final against Hibs. The the way they rallied um, to win that four three and Clay Shine scores that wonderful goal in the ninetieth minute to win the game. I think that encapsulates the spirit that they had or yeah, still have. I, I think it's been before that they had a couple of years of hurt and there was a real determination going into that one. Um, and Claire Shine, who's a wonderful person, a wonderful footballer, just yeah. pulled it out of the bag. And it's not the first time she's done it. She's a player for big occasions, as, as she's shown. And mm-hmm. um, it's probably one of the best goals I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Yeah. I voted that the best goal of 2019 20. Aye, it was probably one of the best goals I've ever seen. And actually, I missed the game because I was working uh, down south. So I was in the airport. Um, and I, kept, I was on a wee Logan Air flight going down to East Midlands and I kept my phone on. God forbid we never crashed, but <laughs> I kept my phone on for that first five, last five minutes and Shine scored and I was, it was the same celebration I showed you earlier, only I was sitting on a plane this time, so people must have been a bit worried. Um, but I was absolutely delighted for them and made up for for clear that, that she buried it and, and everybody that I knew in at the club, Laura and Cass and Scott and all the players and the staff behind the scenes as well, I was made up for them. Yeah, definitely. And um, I know Claire's been having a bit of a hard time, so I want to send a message out that I hope she's continuing her recovery um, okay. So um, the good work that you did with uh, the, the development squad um, led to you getting the full um, head coach role at Glasgow FC, your current role. Um, so how did how did the job uh, come about for you? Did you apply or did they approach you? Um, they'd asked me the year before to go. And uh, I knocked it back just because I spoke to a few teams the year before and I knocked them all back because I wanted to finish what I started at City. Um, and knew I would I would leave because, not in a bad way, but 
the development teams were disbanding and they were they were trying to restructure the leagues and stuff. So I knew that this was probably the last chance to work with this group of players. Um, and at that club, albeit I, I maybe could have moved to first team, I don't know, but um, I felt this was the last chance to to go and do that. So I wanted to stay there, um, and they understood that. To be honest with you, everybody I spoke to understood that. And then it was funny because I was finishing up my license, and I'd actually spoken to three clubs uh, during my license, um, and had a great chat with them, and, and just felt they weren't really for me. Um, everywhere I've kind of went I've been the head coach and I don't mind assisting um, whatsoever but I just thought well maybe it's time to step out the shadows and do my own thing mm-hmm. um, and and see see where it goes you can only try so it was Ian was obviously already there as the head coach and mm-hmm. and that, that swung me a wee bit and obviously Jim who, who owns the club I knew him um, but it was a chance to start a new project fresh clean slate Um and start something new and and make it exciting and a new brand and stuff and and I, I spoke to them at length it wasn't just an easy right what do you think it was a good month or so and um, we'd spoke for and and then I just thought I'm going to go for it yeah. and I need to go for it because if and I, I couldn't have went elsewhere and not been as fully active so I, I went for it and it was um it's been an eye opener but it's it's been incredible at the same time to be brutally honest with you yeah well you couldn't have had a more challenging start because obviously when you start the job a couple of months were hit with covid and um, we're yeah. you know adapting to new ways of working we're doing zoom um you know you're wondering when you can even start training again how do you um keep i mean how do you keep the girls first of all on their toes um you know to make sure they do whatever they can, whatever exercise they're allowed to do um to keep themselves fit but also probably more importantly Make sure their mental health, mental health well-being was okay in those initial couple of months. Yeah, I think as you say, it was a challenging start anyway because we got Celtic in the first game and then Spartans, so that's this challenging you'll get. And then St Johnson, Partick Thistle, and then COVID. So COVID was the toughest opponent out of the four of them to be honest with you. Um, I think initially when when it happened, maybe like everybody else, we thought it was only going to be a couple of weeks. Okay. We thought it was going to be a few weeks and we'd be back in, and then. When we started hearing um, the, the chat and that in the background and, and through the government and through um, the associations, we thought, right, OK. So we, we kind of pre-planned, myself and Ian uh, Mitchell, um, who's sports science, and Kerry, who's the, the physio. We'd uh, already pre- pre-planned what we were going to do and, and put that out to the, the rest of the staff. And um, we'd already made up programmes, so we'd agreed that Mitchell was going to do programmes over Zoom, which we never knew about, but we found out very quickly what Zoom was. So we we had a great buy-in for the players, to be honest with you. Um, such a young group, and they'd bought into the Zoom Zoom classes that we'd put on. I keep going to say Zumba because I'm saying Zoom, it's not mm-hmm. Zumba, it's Zoom. <laughs> but they bought into what we were going to do, and we, we had a meeting with them all over Zoom and said to them, listen, this is the, the situation we're in. We don't know when it's going to end, but this is how we're going to deal with it going forward. And then, as it went on, uh, Ian and Rab, who's no longer at the club, put fantastic effort into building sessions for them. One, individual sessions with a ball and cones, and then when they were allowed to break out into twos uh, and the zones, they, we got them doing it. And then we never th- thought about doing it when it came to the groups of three and four. 
because we knew we'd have them back by then. We'd already been told there was a date for us to go back and when we could start training. And we were quite fortunate because we had Bud Hill, which is our own facility. Mm-hmm. Um, nice big grass park. We, we've got everything we need at the club. So we, we took it for the air and it was quite weird going back in and obviously getting uh, your temperature taken and having to fill in questionnaires every week and, and stuff like that. And just being so careful and the sanitizer. And the, I've always found it quite weird because I've always sanitised my hands. And now everybody's doing it. I'm like, well, should have been doing it before. But hey ho. <laughs> but um, it, it was weird because I'd done a lot of one-to-one calls with players uh, over Zoom or on the phone or, or WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever. Um, and a lot of one-to-one calls with the, the coaches as well in a lot of staff meetings in between just so we could we could be ready to start back. And I think we put an immense effort into that. And you, you hit the nail on the head. It was all to do with mentality and the, the, the mental health side. It was nothing to do with physical. Like, they can go and do their own stuff and, and what they need. And we del- deliberately set up sessions where they wouldn't need to go and do long-distance runs and stuff like that because they were already mm-hmm. doing that themselves. That was their challenge between themselves. We just set them up to do what we wanted them to do that would cater to them coming back so they were ready. And I must say, it, it helped massively, uh, mentally and physically. They came back in great shape. Um, they're fitter now than they would have been at the start of the season just because we've had that longer period to work with them. But I think mentally it was key just to speak to them every day, every week. Just make sure everything was all right. And if it wasn't all right, they know they can reach out and stuff um, and speak to us. And it's, it's always, that's always been my mantra, no matter what level it was at, whether it was under 11s at City, it's the, the person comes first. If you can get them right, then the footballer's going to take care of itself and mm-hmm. they'll be ready. So that was, a, that was a big part for me, mentally keeping them right and men- mentally keeping the coaches right and lastly myself, um, to be honest with you. But I've got a two-year-old daughter who helps with that immensely. So. <laughs> Excellent. Um, no, I was, I was speaking to Debbie McCulloch, um, who was part of one of the guest specials this week, and she made similar points that it was about you know, the individual more than anything. Um, but another point I put to Debbie, I was going to put, I'm going to put to you as well. Um, during those... Um, months whilst the in the men's game you had um, in my I'm going to be brutal honest um, chairman chairman and executives of clubs um, throwing out um, you know really pathetic statements childish statements about what's happening with you know league reconstruction league reconstruction ending the seasons it was utterly pathetic meanwhile the women's game went completely under the radar not a word was said in the media about what was going to happen with the women's season we highlighted a couple of times that was unacceptable and it was about four months before they obviously decided the Nolan Voids which obviously you only played a one, two games that wouldn't, um, didn't really make an impact as opposed to what would have been had it been like 20, 30. Um, but yeah. h- how disappointed were you with the, the lack of coverage that you um, you were all getting at that point? I think did they not really bother you that much? To be honest, we, we've always been switched off to the noise that's going on around about you. So mm-hmm. I've never really bothered, to be honest with you, ever since, even when I played myself and I've never really listened to, to stuff that's going on out with us. Don't get me wrong, it's disappointing when you, you don't get the coverage and you don't um, you don't get what you think yeah. that the game should deserve because it's a fantastic game and it's people put a lot of work into it. Mm-hmm. A lot of work in um, and a lot of effort. And again, it's a lot of togetherness. You see everybody pulling together and, and early, as you say, it, it, it got called after the one game and it was kind of like, well where do we go for here? And there was a lot of talk going on in the background 
about what was going to happen and could we do this and could we do that and let's just find out if we can get a date back first and then that's the way I always looked at it. Can we make small steps to try and get where we're going to go? And the hardest thing for everybody was not knowing a date. I think that's even yeah. still to this day, we don't know. Um, but there's a wee bit more freedom in terms of lockdown and stuff like that for us guys. But I think it was um, it was disappointing, to be honest with you. And that, I don't take that um, take that lightly. I think the game should be promoted in better light. But again, I think there wasn't much said from the governance of the game because they were working hard behind the scenes trying to... And there's, if you've not got anything, then there's no point in putting anything out, to be honest with you, because it can yeah. just just blur the lines. But I, I just think it was disappointing, but we just kind of had our head down and we were working away as hard as we possibly could. Again, trying to get reinforcements in because we lost some players during it and trying to sign players and maybe giving you a chance to get people back fit and and stuff like that. So that was our main focus, to be honest with you. And we knew, we knew at one point we would start again. Hope We were hopeful it was going to be October, and it was, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just about taking it for there and, and how we manage it. And don't get me wrong, it's still weird going to games and having to get your temperature and stuff taken, but it's part and parcel of the game. And yeah. I think after maybe the first couple of times, you're fine. You just go on with it. You just go on with it. As long as it's a smooth process, you just go on with it and everything's done the correct way, then there's no issues. But promotion-wise, disappointing. But sometimes you, you come to expect it, but you also expect a wee bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that's just something that needs to happen generally, to be perfectly honest. But um, we'll, that's why we try to do our bit. Not that we know a lot about the women's game, but we are learning as we go along. So um, your insight certainly helps that. Um, so you, you've mentioned you started this, uh, well, you got your start date, and so far, bit of a mixed bag in the league so far. Um, Two wins and two defeats. Um, you're sixth in the league, um, although you're only four points behind uh, Hamilton, who you re- one of those wins was against, and you have a game in hand. What are the aspirations um, for Glasgow women this season? I think we've always spoke about it, even before lockdown. It was to do better than we done last season. I think everybody's waiting on you coming out and, and shouting about winning leagues and promotion and stuff like that. And it's never the the job for me was to do better than last season. We finished seventh, we finished seventh which which isn't good enough. Um, and, and we want to do better than what we've done uh, don't get me wrong there is aspirations to, to be as high up that table as we possibly can and and if, if we're fighting for promotion at the end, the end of the season then great um, but right now the focus is gel the squad together um, because it is a, a fresh squad even though we've had a lockdown they've not played many games together they're young they're still they're still learning a lot of them came through development backgrounds and we've got some senior players in there who who help out. But it's about gelling them together and finding the right things for them and the right ways to play and and them adapting and, and getting to the league. And I think that showed, obviously, we had a, a great start against Stirling. Um, when we, we never really clicked and it was a fantastic game. And I think people look at you funny when you say that you've won 4-0 at home, but you never clicked. Um I think there's more to come for us. Queen's Park was the, the most disappointing out of them all, to be honest with you. Um, mm. It was just a, a, a poor day for us at the office. Um, good result for them, but poor for us. And then Hamilton was was a fantastic performance all round. Um, and a great result, because they're a top team. Let's not get away from it. And uh, Aberdeen, we, we felt a wee bit aggrieved and unlucky that we never came away for the game with anything. Um, and they're another top team. They're another good side. 
really good side um, before the crack start to the season. So, as you said, it's a mixed bag, but there's no real disappointments. We know we can compete at this level now when a lot of people wrote us off. So, I think we're, um, we need to go and build on that and we need to get on that level, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm an Aberdeen supporter, so I'll keep an eye on the women's results. Um, and it's from my point of view, it's good to see them winning five out of five. And I think um, Aberdeen will go up this season. There's two promotion places, nobody's coming down. Um, do you think that, I mean, there's a lot of um, teams, as I say, that have that link to the men's team. Like you've got Hamilton and they've got Partick, you know, Dundee United, St Johnston. Um, do you, I mean, do you see them um, that you can that you're in a fight with them for that second promotion place? Or is it a case of, well, we're seventh last season, let's aim for sixth or fifth at the moment? Um, mixed bags, really, to be honest with you. I think we know we can compete. We know we can compete and we're kind of in that similar position of City, not in terms of status, but in terms of we don't have a men's side to fall back on. So everything we do is off our own back. We work hard for it. We work ever so hard for everything that we've got and everything that we want. So I think just now we've got the coaching place and team um, it was a fantastic, fantastic team. Great people in it, and um, we've got some outstanding players in there, and a real, a real togetherness about us just now. I keep using that word togetherness, don't I? But we've got that about us, and mm-hmm. it's um, it's a nice feeling to have, and it's good to see. But mm-hmm. again, it's a very young group who have not played like the other teams that you've mentioned. They've got a core group who's played together for years we've not got that yet we need to build that so we will be a bit of a mixed bag but to be honest with you it's it's promising just now and we'll just take it as it goes I know that's not what you're looking for you're looking for me to say I we want that second spot but I want you to be honest I want you to be honest everybody wants wants the second spot mate to be honest with you and um, I think there's some fantastic teams in there and do you know what It's, it's an exciting league everybody talks about the top league but people tend to forget about the the Prem 2, and it's just as exciting. I look at it, the Championship mm-hmm. down south. It's Anybody can beat anybody on the day. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's really exciting. You get a mixed bag sometimes when you look at Twitter. Or you get people telling you results after a game. You're like, really? What? And you don't expect it. But you should know not to expect it. Do you know what I mean? But you still get a wee shock. I think us obviously beating Hamilton was a bit of a shock to a lot of people. Um, and coming close with Aberdeen at the weekend and, and beating Sterling certainly. But... Again, we're looking forward to this weekend. We've got a tough game against Borough Muir, who are a good side, who I know very well. So um, that should be interesting. Yeah, I was going to um, come on to that. Um, what kind of game are you expecting off Borough Muir at the weekend? Tough. Very tough game. They're, they're well organised. I've known Susie for a while and, and Borough Muir for a while because we obviously came up against them um, when I was at City in that, that league. Uh, and they're, they're a very, very tough side. Can be tough to break down at times and they're physical and they've got some good players in there as well so it'll be a tough game at the weekend um, I think some people can get a bit caught up in, in results and and think oh it should be easy it should be this but no game of football should be easy to be honest with you know, when you're at this level so it's going to be very tough no. At the end of the day it's 11 girls we 11 girls and it's just whatever win turns up best in the day and uh, Best of luck to you, um, you at the weekend. Um, I, I want to touch on a couple of things before I do the quick fire questions, or as we call them, slow fire. Um, <laughs> you get a role within the SPFL Trust. Um, yes. What does that entail? Good question. Um, my role in the SPFL Trust just now, I work as the fit development officer, so fits football fans in training, or as people right. call it, FFIT, 
which I called it before I actually joined the trust. Um, and that's working with the, the 42 clubs within the league um, to set up a programme for men and women to change their lifestyle over a 12-week period. So, again, it's working with people on it. So that's what attracted me to go and work with the trust. I was a project coordinator at first, um, helping with mm-hmm. the mental health courses and and the 442 reading challenges and joy of moving and festive friends. And again, that's aimed at people. So uh, I was fortunate enough to, to get promoted into this role. And again, it's working with people and it's, it's amazing. And it's a, it's a great, great uh, organisation to work with, to be honest with you. Yeah, they seem they do a lot of good stuff. And um, are you enjoying the role? Aye, massively. I mean, it's a bit different, as you said, but we need to learn to work from home and stuff. And But the clubs have been fantastic. And um well, actually, we spoke before I came on. We were—I was meant to be down in England uh, to have <laughs> the tutor training courses this week, and it was uh, it was Kai Bosch just because of, they've went into lockdown, um, which means you get to spend time with me on a Friday, which isn't too <laughs> bad. But uh, no, listen, I absolutely love it. Um, I love being able to work in the national stadium as well, albeit not just now, but it's a fantastic uh, job with with some top people uh, I'm working with as well. Oh, fantastic. I hope that keeps going well. And on your podcast, 6810, um, it's a very good podcast. I listen to it. There's two episodes in particular I liked, um, the Shelley Kerr and Rachel Gorsley, just fantastic. Um, how did um, 6810 come about? Um, and you know what what did you intend for it when you started it? I nearly burst into that step song there, mate, 5678 when you said that. <laughs> Please don't. Um, <laughs> No, I'm not a very good singer, mate, so you wouldn't appreciate that. <laughs> the, the intentions were, me and my mate Fitzy, again, um, we're going to do our own podcast. And we didn't know what we were going to call it. We just knew it was going to be something to do with football. With this idea that we wanted to do a podcast. And he, he was based in Hamden at the time. Uh, and I think at the time they thought it was going to be all about Scottish football. And we were going to, so I don't think we were too keen on that. Um, so he pulled out. And I was like, right, okay, like, what am I I'm going to do it myself? What am I going to do? Um, and it was dealing with, I was dealing with, with, with some mental health um, issues at the time, some poor mental health issues. And I thought, how, what makes me feel better? And I had this chat with a couple of people, my dad, and I thought, I'm going to start a podcast. Um, I'm going to, going to speak to, to people about football and life. And that's why it's six, eight, or 10, life in a beautiful game. Um, because it's not just about football we talk about. It. We kind of cover everything. And my initial yeah. was five episodes, and that'll be me. I'll be fine with five episodes. I don't expect many people to listen to it. Um, and I got a good uptake for the first five, so I thought, right, well, I'll just keep recording. And I think, you know yourself, once you kind of get in a groove, mm-hmm. and once you get moving, it becomes a wee bit addictive talking to people. So yeah. um, three seasons later, mate, we're talking about hanging up the mic for... Um, just because I'm so busy, I've, I've not got any time to mm-hmm. to do it between work and, and life and and football. Like people might only think we train three nights a week and a Sunday, but it's like a seven day a week uh, gig. To be honest with you, you're always dealing with something at some point. Um, anybody in any club can vouch for that. So it was all about that, and um, it's it's been it's been great. I've had some great people on it. So. In fact, everybody's been great that's been on it and I can't complain about any guests. You'll know yourself, there's a lot of people that I've missed out on as well. Um, mm-hmm. Through no, no fault of anybody's, it's just scheduled yeah. conflicts or they've moved roles and stuff. And um, 
actually planned on stopping at season two. And then I still had that wee bit of a bug, to be honest with you. And there was, there was some people, because I always do 21 episodes. Mm-hmm. So I've had this thing in my head, just 21 episodes per season. So I'm looking to finish this one on maybe nine or 10. And um, the last guest will be Graham Hunter. Right. Um, just because he was he was a massive um, part in helping me with it and, and helping me with uh, mental health and stuff like that. I've had a lot of good chats and we met a couple of times and, and spoke about it and spoke over Zoom and, and, and Twitter and stuff like that. And he's been massive. So I, I put it out to him and says, Do you fancy coming on? We always said we were going to do a part two of the first part that we've done. Um, and he's like, Absolutely. So it's quite an emotional one, to be fair. Yeah, that's a good one. It's already been recorded. So um, I've got three to go, and that's me. Yeah, we'll look, we'll look forward to listening to that. Um, talk, just talk about your mental health situation. Um, it's Thankfully, that is one stigma that um, we're slowly overcoming. There's still a lot of work to be done, but it has yeah. been highlighted so much more. Like 20 years ago, I mean, in your playing career, um, it would probably would have been difficult for you to go up to manager and tell you what's wrong. Um, whereas now, from your saying the coaching um, perspective, um you can ask people what's what's the matter and, and not have any bearing. Um, it's mm. amazing strides are being made. Massive, and I think it's about understanding it as well and educating yourself in it. I think mm. that was when when I first um, got diagnosed with, with clinical depression and anxiety disorder. It was like, well, yes, I'm I'm down. I've been to hell and back, as I like to say, and I'm fighting a good fight and there's a lot of people I know that are doing it as well and I try and help them and encourage them as best I can and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always there if people want to speak about it but to be honest with you it's um it was about the education side of it. and that's why when I, I get the chance to go and do the mental health first aid course with the SPFL Trust I, I took it um and I took it before I was moving into that job to be honest with you just because I wanted to know more I knew Mark Fleming I'd known Mark for a while um through the FA and I knew he was actually involved in in He's a good mate of mine, to be honest with you. And I went and done the course and opened up my eyes to a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff maybe that can educate you in what you're going through as well, but it's not there to help you. If you get me, it just opens up your eyes to a lot of different scenarios in the game. It's very specific to football. Um, and to be honest, it's always been at the forefront of my mind to, to, to help people. So the door's always open for them. At football or out with football, the doors are always open for them. The texts are always there. They're, if they want to phone, it's it's open as well. And I take that into life as well. That doesn't just go for football. That goes for anybody. Um, and we are making strides. We're getting there, but we can still do more. We can still do more for it. And and people talking now, people feel. I think you get to the point where you don't really want to talk about it because you think it might have an effect. I can remember talking to somebody way back when, and they're like, "Oh, that's great. You've shared your story, but it's just showing your weakness." No weakness to me, to be brutally honest with you. I think it's actually no weakness to me. No, it's a strength in my eyes that someone's plucking up the courage to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the words my my, my most um, hated phrases right now. And I'm not an I'm not an easily offended person, but when I hear the words "man up" and uh, "get a grip," uh, I just want to slap someone because it's just uh, it's there's just no need for there's just no need. You know, um, we're, we're in an age where we should be able to express our feelings without people judging you. You know, it doesn't make you weaker that you're having a, a bad day. Just human. Everyone has them. Everybody's a person at the end of the day, no matter what. So mm-hmm. I think we need to take that into consideration. And there's a lot of stresses that come with life, especially as you get older. Um, yeah. 
and, and, and the players are, are no different to that. They're no robots. They're, they're people at the end of the day. They're human beings and and they're going to have stuff with family life, work. We're not at the stage where they're, they're professional players at every, at every team just now. So family life, work, training, uni, college, you name it. Some of them are mums. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> some of them are parents. So you just, you just need to... Um, you just need to help as best as you possibly can, and no, let them know that it's it's all right. And yeah. that that probably goes for me as well. I'm probably one of the worst at at speaking about it at times, and then other times I'll I'll tell you everything you want to know about it. But mm-hmm. um, aye, it's it's we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, good. I mean, the SFA have obviously um, are putting in mental health training as part of the license, which I think is a really good thing. So um, it shows how how times how times really are changing and for the better. I mean, there's still to be fair, there are still some stigmas that need to be lifted um, to be um, overcome. Like, for example, there's lots of men's coaches in the women's game, um, which, but you don't see the same um, in the men's game. Um, there's not yeah. not one female coach, not even an assistant or a first team coach in the women in, in the men's game. I know Shelley had. Um, that brief stint at Stirling University in men's, which was in the Lowland League and done a decent job. Um, but I'd love to see a day where someone like Shelley or even like Leanne Crane, for example, getting, the jo- getting a job within the male environment, whether it's a first team, whether they're head coach or a first team coach or you know even a reserve coach, just breaking that ball because I'm pretty sure in modern times, men would probably uh, accept that because at the end of the day, it's about who's best for the job. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. There's some fantastic, honestly, it's, I would have probably used a million times here. I don't know if you're going to go back into it, but there's some great coaches out there um, that I've worked with and had the pleasure of working with and, mm-hmm. and got to know over lockdown. And, and Natalie Henderson's one of them at Newcastle. Um, she's mm-hmm. great as a person and we share the same views. And that was just off chance that I got her on the podcast and we've stayed in touch. And I just, I just love everything she does. I love everything about her. Emma Hunter's another one, Twyla mm-hmm. Kaufman at Houston Dash. Um, obviously Amy's been in at Rangers and and there's so many great coaches out there and we, we've got a young one just now um, who's finished playing coach Nikiri who's who's stopped playing but you can already see her in her that she's she's going to be a fantastic coach if she takes it up she's she's got a great desire and hunger to learn she's fantastic with the players and there's a great manner run about them even though she was only playing with them six months ago Mm-hmm. and she's got the respect to them all just now and I'm just thinking if you really stick at this then you've got a right good chance because you're you're on the money and everything that you're doing there. preparation, organisation honestly she's, she could be a top one so that's one that you might need to watch out for I might yeah. have just jinxed her now and she might say I'm not doing it anymore <laughs> no, she's, top, she's a top coach in my eyes and she's only starting out so there's a lot more to come for her yeah, well, let's hope, let's hope so, and let's hope that um that there is a day where there's female coaches within the the men's cell because I mean, um as we say, but but for the right reasons, you know, Leanne Crichton made the point that um you know whilst they're looking for more women opportunities within the men's game etc, she wouldn't change having Scott Booth as a manager um and mm. you no, know, but we we'll wait and see how things go on going forward um so. I thank you for your time, Craig. We've just got a few more quick um, fire questions or slow fire questions as we nickname them and um, to finish up. So, first of all, what's your favourite tipple? Oh, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, what are you saying? Either. If you're a drinker, what's your alcoholic one? 
right now, I noticed you've got a wee diluting juice, so summer fruits is my non-alcoholic ones. I'm trying to go off the fizzy juice, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, alcoholic, I'm probably going to need to go for, uh, can I give you three? Yeah. Estrella. Um, Good choice. Bira Moretti and Sailor Jerry's rum. There you yeah. go. a great choice out of that three. In no order. Estrella's <laughs> a beautiful, oh, it's magnificent. Yeah, especially in Barcelona. That was when I first sampled it. Still good here, but Barcelona was uh, epic. <laughs> what's, um, what's your favourite pie? We like our pie chat in the SFF podcast. Oh, yes, mate. Um, oh, you've got me because I'm not even going to be fussy about it, mate. I actually quite like a lot of them. Um, my waistline can show for that, then. Uh, probably a macaroni pie right now, mate, to be honest with you. I do love a good macaroni pie. And it's right. very rare that you get them sometimes when you go to games. So, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think where I got an absolute bump. I've been to, see, I've I, I followed Rangers from, from when I was three, but I went to all the games when they went to the third division, second division, and way back up. Mm-hmm. So I sampled a lot of pies, mate. Uh, and I went to a lot of Annan games when my dad was there. Mm-hmm. Annan did a decent pie, by the way. You had a pie yeah. down Annan before. I've never been to Annan. Aye, they do a good pie. Great social club as well, Rufa. Um, good people. But I'm trying to think. Where's my favorite? Macaroni, mate. Let's go with macaroni because yeah. we could make a podcast on a pie. <laughs> no, I think we certainly could because um, we love our pie chat, as I say. Um, and staying on the food team, um, what would it be your death row meal? Death row meal? Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Um, pasta. Sucking my missus is half Italian, mate. I'm a sucker for pasta. Again, a waste can show <laughs> and it's big portions, it's the Italian portions we get, we don't have wee tiny ones. Nice. Pasta, mate. Yeah, that's a, that's a good choice to be fair. Um, it, who's the best meal player that you've saw in the flesh? Ah, uh, me. Um, bloody hell, you've killed me with that one. I could say anybody for Rangers, but I'm going to go one Roman kill me. He's my favourite. Good choice. Yeah. Was that Beautiful when he was playing for Valerial against Rangers? Valerial, when it's the first time I've actually went to a game and just focused. I used to do it quite a lot with Barry Ferguson, um, just because that's where I played. And I was too young when Gascoigne and Loudrop and McCoy and Durant mm-hmm. and all that were there. So to actually appreciate positionally. So Raquel May would be the one for me, just the way he's so elegant in the ball and he can kill you. And I can remember him just spraying, and I'm not talking about pinging balls, just spraying balls about Ibrox that night. and finding a yard for nowhere and no great pace about him no great and he just uh, it's the first time I've watched a player like that and, and fell in love I, I loved him before but that night I fell in love yeah. uh, he's a super player in his day why not kill me absolutely tremendous player um, who's, who's the best player that you've coached oh, best that I've coached oh man you've absolutely <laughs> you've absolutely <laughs> killed me there mate <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who's the best that I've coached. Yeah. I appreciate we've probably coached a lot of good ones, and it's this is not about you know <laughs> putting them in any bad light. It's about who you think would no, stand no, out. Definitely, definitely not. There's um. been a few actually mate to be honest that I would put up there as, as top top players um, you bloody killed me mate 
You've absolutely <laughs> killed me. Uh, the thing is, I don't want to leave any out because I've, I've coached a lot of good players, so I don't want to sit here and give you a full biography of them. <laughs> um, right now, I would probably say... Oh my god, I've got four of them in my head, mate. That I'm trying. To... Just give me the four. No, because four will then lead to ten, and then. All right, fair enough. Right, we'll just one You know what, mate? There's the current crop of players that I'm working with have been great, and see the see the the, the core group that I've brought through MFA City, and I've managed to, to been lucky enough to to get them to come to mm-hmm. Glasgow Women. You, Lucy Ronald, Cassie, Leah, um, Karen. But then I've got the, I've had the chance to go and work with other players now as well, the likes of Joe Addy and young Jess Cox, who's come through our youth system. So she's a fantastic player. Megan Wands, Caitlin Canavan, who's an absolute buzz bomb. Um, I don't think you've ever met anybody like her. Uh, she's just a total character in every sense of the word, um, on the field and off the field. So it's too it's too hard, mate. Honestly, it's I'm not I'm not trying to get out of it. It's no, fair enough. There's no. been that many. Even yeah. when I look at the boys that I've coached as well, it's, there's, there's too many. No, I'll let you off with that one then. Um, the final question. Um, in, defense, sorry, mate. In, sorry. In your in your uh, coaching career, what's been your career highlight to date? My my career highlight would be seeing players uh, make their debut for the the Glasgow City first team. That That's would be it. mine, and go and represent their, their national team at their respective age groups and stuff as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to answer and a good way to finish off the um the podcast. Craig, thank you very much for your time. Um and as I say, good luck to Glasgow Women for the forthcoming season. Not a problem, mate. Thanks for having me on. No worries, take care. <laughs>